great Scott. I got a bad feeling about this. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. You, me, or nobody is gonna hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Han Solo. I've been waiting for this day for a long time. Can't wait. Let's get this is the Bart and Han Show on 98.7 ESPN. Hour number three, Bart and Han, Alan Han, Bart Scott, 98.7 ESPN. Get the calls rolling early here on a Wednesday in New York City. 800-919-3776, of course, at Bart and Han on Twitter and Instagram as well. Bart Scott, what's what? up? What up? This so, is the help hotline, man. We, snap face. We need to let all the, all the New York fans come. Somebody actually said that yesterday. We were talking about the yeah, misery come, of New come, York, come, and it's come, like, come, is this is this a, right? Come, come lay on the couch, man. All right, is this a therapy line? Like, yeah, it usually is. You know, you need a hug. We can certainly give you that. Who we put on? A, who we put on the couch first today? Who we well, put on the couch? First? I'll tell you what. The, like, Mets misery just it really is on the night too where. You know, ESPN has the thirty for thirty once upon a time in Queens, and they and they play the first two episodes. Is two, I think tonight, right? Two more to the yeah. final two tonight. And I mean, it's you know, of course it's well done. You know, not to say it wasn't well done, but I it was depressing. Just a it, like sad I, reminder. I, I called into the K show and I said it like we just all we have is nostalgia now well, in New York. That's all in, we got. Was it in bunny ears? Were you watching? Like you were watching? <laughs> like the, the the whole documentary is like man. It's, like, a, it's an it's an SD. Yeah, you're like ah. Oh man. my god! Like yeah. Hey kids, that's how we watch sports. <laughs> like you looked and you're like, like you, how do you got you good eyesight? See the name on the like now you see the blades of grass. This TV 4K. <laughs> it's so good. Right back then. On a little like a like a twenty inch yeah. black and white or a twenty inch yeah. like color little box TV. Yeah, you know how we you had picture, see it. Picture. You barely seen the last name. You know how we had picture picture like it was a little TV on top of the big TV yeah, yeah, that, that didn't work no picture. more. <laughs> come here, Grandma. Like come turn the TV. Change the channel. You can put two games on at once. Have a two TV. So anyway. damn, I passed it. Anyways, did, uh, if, because there's no, if, were you really watching the Mets more than you would want to watch that? Like, would you flip back and forth? Like, I'm trying to figure out if you're a Mets fan. You know, how that, you know, and again, I know they made the push and they made the comeback and it still made it a game, but you lost. And it's just getting to that point where you're frustrated. And I completely understand that. And I'm going to tell you something about Steve Cohen in a minute that you're going to want to hear because if you need hope, don't watch this year's team. The hope is in what Steve Cohen is going to do because it's only a year in. I'll explain. But first, Bart, uh, SNY just put this tweet out just minutes, minutes ago. And it's interesting. Remember that we were talking about show beef a minute ago. Yeah, the Yankees and Mets had real beef. Yeah, as we remember, and there's some fireworks on on uh, Sunday thumbs night. Thumbs down by Gardner. And what's that? Thumbs down by Thumb, Gardner. Thumbs down. Yeah, but it was more again Lindor uh, accusing the Yankees of whistling and you know tipping pitches, or or at least they were uh, a they if they thought it was cheating, which whatever it was. So there was a lot of back and forth going on in that game. According to SNY, though, the Mets and Yankees have actually smoothed over. The accusations made by Lindor, who, by the way, after the game said that I don't know for sure, so I can't actually accuse them of anything. It's just something we kind of feel or saw. So even he like made more of yeah. it than he should have. That was entertaining, but still, they said this. Look at this. This is a quote from the story. 
Some on the Mets side were uncomfortable with how strongly and publicly Lindor pursued the issue, and they conveyed that to the other side, meaning to the Yankees. No, like as if maybe not to apologize, but just to say, like, whatever that was about, I mean, we, we really weren't as see, see, this mad is, as he was. This is potentially a problem, right? Because Lindor is fiery. You love the fire, but you like you said, he he's really going off feel, not really facts, and he's putting other guys in tough situations. He's going to be your vocal leader or one of your leaders. Between him and Strowman, you guys are going to get in a lot of beef. And could this Mets team going forward as they continue to try and build and Cohen goes to throw money at the problem and bring better players in here, well, that's coming. If, if, they're, if they're the voice, are you saying that they're going to be in a lot of beef and is that going to be a potential distraction you know, based on the other guys that they bring in here. Because if you're one of your teammates are going at other teams, you got to go with them. No, here's what it is. Is it going to be like the 89 team where they're going to be one of the hated teams because of Stroman, his mouth, and because Lindor? And who knows if Bias is still here. But Well, and again, just, just to continue with the story from SNY, it says basically according to sources, members of the Mets organization – uh, lower down the ladder uh, than owner Steve Cohen or team president Sandy Alderson, they reached out to the Yankees to tamp down tension, saying Lindor was not speaking for the entire team on the issue, and they pretty much just put it away. Remember, the Yankees said it was Wandy Peralta that was doing it, yeah, uh, and the Yankees were saying he was just being goofy, like he was trying to like just be funny. That's what he is. Okay, you know, Aaron Boone, none of that, everybody else was nobody was doing that. Nobody was stealing signs or trying to, you know, uh, uh, one up anybody. Uh, but it did turn into a, a interesting back and forth between the two uh, New York City rival teams, and as a lot of people are noting, it could be the you know maybe the, the the biggest games of the rest of the season for these two teams. Like you don't know. I mean, the Yankees are taking care of business at least last night against the Orioles, who they've struggled against. They did that last night. Garrett Cole uh, getting plenty of home run support in that game, but for the Mets, another loss to the Cardinals, and it's just really slipping out of the picture now uh, at this point. But. I'm here to tell you, though, Bart, and I know you're a guy that really watches the Mets more than you do the Yankees. You're more of, of on the I'm Mets underdog, side of things. I'm an underdog guy. Yeah. I like underdogs. Well, see, I don't think the Mets are going to be underdogs for long. Here's the thing. There's a reason why you reach out to the Yankees in some way and say, we're, you know, we're not about this, and let's just put this away. We're not accusing anybody. We're not going to take this any further. Here's why. Because if you're Steve Cohen and you have all the money that you have, and he loves the Mets, as we know, like Dan the Slatter. first thing you want to do as owner of a franchise like that, that if you watched the, the, the documentary last night, all the beginning was about how it was a circus. They were just bad, poorly run, mismanaged. I mean, the Tom Seaver trade alone. I mean, it was – and everybody that knows the story knows deep down. Tom Seaver was traded because of a sports editor in New York City in the 70s. That's why. Look up that story. It's an unbelievable story, but it's true. The influence of a sports editor is what created that whole controversy. So just understand, you make decisions based on that, you got a problem. So if you're Steve Cohen, you're seeing this season play out the way it's playing out with the issues that you have in your front office, with two people that you hired in your front office to be leaders to help you turn things around, and both guys now are in trouble. Right? Yeah. You have Sandy Alderson, who is a baseball man that you trust, that's at the helm of all of this. Well, what do you do? I've always said this about every sport, especially in New York, because here, every franchise has tons of money. There's a reason why all the franchises here, valuation-wise, are always among the top of all of their leagues. Location, 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 baby. Yes. So with that in mind, 
There is no salary cap. There is no luxury tax against infrastructure. How you build your team, you can spend all the money you want. Right. You can get the best of the best. I've never understood why Luis Rojas would be your manager. Is he the best of the best? Right. No. No, he's not. So get the best. That's what you can do. You have the money to do that. Rojas is not a good manager. He's proving it time and time again. So it's time to move on. That's one. But before you even make that decision, you already know you've got to rebuild your front office because the two guys you hired, right. both guys, see ya. Sorry, Michael K., but it's the best I can come up with. <laughs> but Steve Cohen could start one place, and you and I have mentioned this name several times. Over and over and over. And I kept saying, and this I said this a year ago when he left the Cubs. We all know who we're talking about now. Mm-hmm. When he left the Cubs, and we knew he was leaving the Cubs, I said the first thing, go get him. Doesn't matter how much it costs. Theo Epstein. Go get him. This guy is a curse miracle killer. Curse worker. Killer. He's a curse killer. And what are the reports that we are seeing now from my old newspaper, Newsday? Dave Lennon does a great job. Joel Sherman also picked up on this at the Post, and they're reporting it as well. And it is that, Theo Epstein, who now works in, he's an advisor with Major League Baseball. Yeah, he, people believe that he wants to be the commissioner eventually, so yeah, he's but, to do a little work. But. Yeah, but Rob Manfred's not going anywhere right now, so you know there's still time. But Theo wanted to take a step away, wanted to get into more of like administrative level and get away from being in the everyday front office thing. All right, well, you took your year off. Yeah, took your gap year. But now, it's time. It's time. Because I'll tell you what. And they'll throw anything at him. I mean, Theo Epstein's made a lot of money in his life yeah. already. But if you're Steve Cohen... What's better than play? money? Check. What's more better money. than money? More, more money. More money. Yeah. So, Bart, I am watching Steve Cohen, and I want to see how bad you want it. Yeah, how bad Do something that the boss would have done all those years ago. Like, again, George Steinberg I'm referencing here. Where it would have been, no, money's no object. I want the best. Yeah. You are the best, and I want you here. So what do I do? I meet with him, which they're already talking about. That's being kicked around. What does it take? And you exactly. What does it what take? Do you what want? do you need? What does it take? I'll step back. It's not like it's not like Cohen's outside of the tweeting. It's not like he's some hands-on guy that's telling you what to do, how to do it. I think he understands that he's got he has a healthy respect because remember he's minority owner, so he's watching everybody. That's why I think he has so much trust in Sandy because he believes in what Sandy did in 2015, and that's all he knew. Like when you get in trouble, the first thing you do is you call friends that you're familiar with because you know how they operate, how they work. Okay, Sandy. We love you, but let's try and find well, no, another no, Sandy role. Sandy can for you. just still stay yeah, in the advisory yeah, role. Yeah, let's find another but role Theo for you. Comes in as team president because he doesn't want to be the everyday right, GM. Right, right, but, but now be, you bring because, your guys in. Right, I'm going to make them an offer he can refuse. Yeah, <laughs> because when you think about it, right, Theo is a young analytic. He's where the game is and where the game is going. Sandy may be a little bit older in listen, that regard. Listen, forget and, it, forget it. Don't even go there. You know what? You said it already. This is why you hire the guy. Yeah. Because he's a curse killer. Curse killer. And imagine this triple crown. You win a, you, you win a World Series in Boston. You win a World Series for the Cubs. Curse of yeah. For the Cubs. And then you come to New York and you win a World Series with the Mets. That triple crown? And put them over the Hello, other Cooper's team in the Bronx. Yeah, outside of the other team in the Bronx and be like. Well, and then on top of that, take the city back, which you haven't been able to do since the 80s. Right. Since we're the, celebrating that. So put all that together, and I'm telling you, I always say with the smoke, there's fire. Now, again, Newsday is the first to report it. And they said that the Mets believe they have a realistic shot at bringing in Theo Epstein. That the Post also reporting that they plan on considering him for a role. For the role of again running the franchise See, again, but no. and and others saying that he is in play yep. with the Mets, and I'm telling you, if you're a Mets fan, I don't care what happens from now. The last what is it, 18 games left, whatever less. it is here to the end, 
Your team, the, the percentages are telling you there is very little chance you will get a wild card at this point. Yeah. Very little. Right? So don't even focus on that anymore. Yeah. What you're focused on is what your owner's going to do. Because it's he said, three to, three to five year plan to try to win a World Series. Yep. Well, year one's out of the way, and year one is always the observe year. Yeah, set I it bought up. the team. Let me see. Who stays, who goes. Right. Let me see why this place is such a circus. Let me see. Now, I know he's been, he's been a minority owner. He's been around, so he does know how it works. But now he's in charge. And let me see everything that's going on here, and let me change it. He has been proactive. He's been out front. He will. He will. He talks about stuff with the fans on Twitter. He does a lot of things that he feels like is going to change the fortunes of this yeah. franchise. But what you got to do, and I say this about, of course, with the Jets as well, yeah. you got to take the tent down, take the circus tent down, get rid of the three rings, like get rid of this whole notion that this ah, oh, it's just the Mets. This is what they do. Right. You got to get. You got to get rid of it. And the only way to do it is you bring in the best. This is like, again, Frank Cashin. Yeah, Frank Cashin right. came in and he did the same thing. In the first year, they were awful. And he looked around and he was like, this place is a disaster. Yeah. We got to change it. Well, let's make smart picks. Let's make smart signings. And then little by little, you get better and better and, and, and better. And that's how you do it. And the only way to do it is you start there at the very top with a blank check, getting the best yeah. to come in and run your franchise. And the crazy thing is, when you look at this team and, this, and what's on the roster, it's pretty good. It's not far off. I mean, of course where would this is. team be if DeGrom would have kept pitching? What do they need? Where they be? What everybody needs? A bullpen? Right. right. They got to they they get healthy to, with their starting pitching. They have to make a decision if they're going to sign Syndergaard long term. Right. Right. So you have Syndergaard who wasn't able to come back this year off the injury, had some setbacks. Right. You have Stroman who you believe. Peter Alonzo, let's go ahead and lock him up and then let Theo do his thing. Right, we have our foundation. We have the pieces that we want to build going forward, and let's try and win now because you can't continue to waste the prime of of Jacob Degrom. Right, you can't continue to waste the prime of Jacob Degrom. You got Thor. You have all the pieces that you need. Now you just need somebody that can cook the meal. You got all the groceries. Go buy some more. But then let's go ahead and put you this. Gotta, yeah, there's still a lot more it's upgrading more. to do with yeah. this team, but there's like you said, they're not that far off. They're not because they prove for a right, lot. This of isn't the, this isn't the Orioles. Right, this oh, isn't God, coming no. in, and you're not you're not taking over the no, Orioles. No, 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 you're not starting at zero. Right, but you do also. To me, it goes beyond the roster, though. It just goes beyond the perception of the franchise. Yeah. It goes beyond the things that happen that distract you from the success or lack thereof on the field. Yeah. It's all the other stuff that comes with it: the hapless Mets, the goofy Mets, the circus in Flushing. Like all that stuff has got to go. And the only way to do it is you bring in high-quality people who eliminate that. Again, we the, saw the Knicks do the, the same Chicago thing. Chicago Cubs we saw the Knicks have the always thing. been that team, right, that you just always knew, the lovable losers. You know, Bartman. I mean, things just happen that go the wrong way for them at the worst possible time. And Theo went in there, and everything turned. That's what you've got to do here with the Mets. 800-919-3776 is the number. Let's take Joe in Lindbrook. Go ahead, Joe. Alan, hey, Mark, thanks for taking the call. You got uh, it. It's funny that you talked about the comparisons between um, this and the 86. You know, watching that documentary last night, of course, playing the Cardinals, not that they're the powerhouse they were in the 80s, but, um, and you took the words out of my mouth with cash in once you mentioned the Epstein thing. But uh, as far as um, Lindor, uh, you know, that, I, I actually kind of like that sort of passion. I, you know, I, I know you have to bring it into some degree. You don't want them be a distraction, but for whatever reason, this guy seems to thrive on um, on some tough stuff. You know, the raccoon game, he had a huge hit. Yeah. Bias comes down. Bias came back. He's emotional. This stuff with the Yankees, he fired himself up. So if that's what it takes for him to produce, I don't, I don't mind it entirely. And like you said, unfortunately, you know, for better or worse, there's always been the Mets. I mean, even in that 86 team, as we see in the documentary, it's weird stories. It was a circus. Yep. Um, 
to get that culture But they were so good. Yeah, Joe. No, but Joe, here, yeah, they, obviously they should have won a lot more. But Joe, I think it's it really did also last night play to the point that Don LaGreca was making yesterday with his rant. And, and I loved it. It's why I, it inspired me to call into the show. Now listen. And I'm telling you, like, Bart, and I don't know if you really understand it as an athlete. Like, you had two years with the Jets that were magical years. I mean, they're yeah. really good teams, right? And they, the, there was a lot of hope, but there was something about that group. You guys were tough, t- you know, hard-nosed. You had a coach who wasn't afraid. What personality. Yeah, it was a lot to like about that team. So it was easy to get behind them and easy to root. Now, unfortunately, you guys fell just short. But still, like, there was something there. Right? Like, the the Mets, it's, I guess what Don is saying, is like that celebrating a team that like we're just supposed to be happy that they're competitive, right? right? The 86 team as much as yes, they were wild, they were crazy. There was it was also its own circus. You had a lot of the drug stuff that was going on that was report, you know, they talked about that in the documentary that that was a distraction. There was, you know, Daryl, you know, and and the nightlife and everything going on. Like they, they would fight. You know, they weren't a like team, but you embraced them. But the thing about that team, they were freaking elite. Right, like they were—they weren't just good; they were damn good. Like they were insane good. They were forty-four and like sixteen at one point. So the point is, is that it's New York, and you had the best, right? Which, now, whether they were likable or not, yeah. it didn't matter. That was the best, and we are—we're so used to just dealing with being—we're okay, we're competitive, right. we're all right. Like the Nets this year are going to be the best. Like, that's the, the assembly of talent there. Yeah. We've never, we haven't seen anything like that since the Warriors broke up, Their right? Their favorite, yeah. Like, that's, a, that's an insane group of talent. Now, they might not be a like team, but they are the best. So, and we're not used to having that for any, any stretch of the imagination. And if you're the Mets, just like if you're the Yankees, it should be the same thing. The demand should stay high. That's why I say what I say about Steve Cohen. Steve, you own this team. You can afford the best. I bet everything in your life, yeah. you get the best. Get the best for your team, and that's when you'll really see the fortunes turn, where it's no longer like, hey, hoping we can be competitive. Not yeah. the hell with that. Yeah. Well, you know you'll be the best. Where you have like David Johnson saying, we're going to win the championship. Yeah, we're we, going to be, we're going to be the, we're going to dominate the NL. Like he said that, we're going to dominate the NL East. That's what he said before the season started, just like Rex. Yeah. The same thing. And coming to kiss no rings. That's right. Talk about it. Be about it. Yeah, I mean, listen, Cohen has put up a shut up a time now, right? Because we've been watching. You've waited forever to own your own franchise. How many times he's sitting in meetings and hear how the Wilpines are choosing to go forward with the business operations and wishing that he had an opportunity to do something differently? Well, guess what you do? You have the opportunity to do that. That everybody's watching, right? We 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 laugh a little bit when he's talking about oh, well, you know, OPSs and what you expect, what, what players are supposed to be doing, and what type of lineup you assembled, yeah. all those things, right? Erase it. Erase it. Go get the best. Now, I understand it's not about going to get the best. It's about also building chemistry. But you know who's the best out there as far as the administrative aspect. And it's still Epstein. Start with him. Because he knows how to do it. You start there and you say, what do you need? And I'll get it for you. And you don't take no for an answer. I don't know if you want to go as far as Dolan and and, and Phil Jackson. But, I mean, listen, you should be saying. That was an attempt. That was a hit. That was a swing and a miss. Yeah, put your your hands up. But he swung. But that's literally what that was. This guy's the best. What's it going to take for me to get him in my franchise? I don't care in what capacity. I just want his DNA in our franchise. And then, of course, that was, you know, that was a disaster. But you know what another, exa- another example is that I can give you? It's what the new Islanders owners did by getting in Lou Lamarillo. I understand it's a hockey reference. Not everybody's going to get it. But just understand, Lou Lamarillo is basically like getting the best. Yeah. It's what he is. 
The guy just, he's a winner, knows how to win. What you got to do, which they didn't do in Toronto when they hired him, is get out of his way. Yeah. Just what do you need? What do you want? I'll do it. And that's what, you know, again, John Ledecky, who's the owner's owner, Scott Malkin, that's the one thing that they got out of the gate. I'm the owner. I got the money. But you're the guy I'm hiring to run this thing, and I'm getting out of your way. Mm-hmm. Dolan tried to do that with Phil Jackson, and Phil Jackson failed miserably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dolan crash, did that. I'll give you the car. money, now let me get out of the way. Yeah. And then it became, no, 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 Jim, we need you to come back in here and get rid of this dude. Now, did he get it right with Leon Rose? We'll find out. But what, what the Islanders have done is they have built a team with Lou Lamarillo there, which was already kind of being built, which is similar to the Mets yeah, right exactly. now. The Mets have some pieces similar to what the Islanders had uh, with, with Garth Snow. And you bring in these guys, you bring in a Lou Lamarillo, you bring in the best, by the way, Barry Trotz, Stanley Cup winning coach. Mm-hmm. You bring him in, not an inexperienced coach, right? So the Mets need to get somebody that knows what the hell they're doing they have to. as a manager. They have to. That's so been there, done that. So give me people, like they always say, bring adults in the room. Give me people that have jewelry and bring them in the room and then say, what do you need? And I'll get out of your way. That's how you do it. The honors, by the way, what have they done? They've been in the Final Four now a couple of years in a row. They've lost to the champions. There's nothing to, they, nothing to feel bad about when you right, lose right. to the champions. You're knocking on the door. Yeah, absolutely knocking on the door. The Mets can do the same thing, Bart, and it won't take that long to turn it to that point where you can be among the elite, not just and also ran. A comp- oh, they're competitive this year. This is New York, man. It's supposed to be the best of everything. Thank you. Location, location. Best shows, best nightlife, best food, best everything, best clothes. The Mecca, right? It's supposed to be right here. We got you wearing a tux on, on first take. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? That's, that, that's, that's I'm not New coming York. here with no jogging suit. Coming out here it's full tux out. <laughs> Roll out the red carpet. Let's do it. Let's do it. This is 98.7 ESPN. We are discussing, you know, again, what, what the Mets should do. And that is basically just this open, this open, a blank check. Theo Epstein, come on down, run this thing. Let's get it going. Order reports in Newsday and the New York Post, several other places as well, picking up on it. The Mets are definitely kicking that around. That it could be a possibility. I, I've I've asked friends of mine too um, that that cover the sport uh, nationally what they think of it, and it would be more of a president role. And a lot of people don't believe he would. You know, be like the everyday GM. I think he made that clear when he left the Cubs. It's not something he really wants to do the day to every day. You know, he's I mean, he's put a ton of time in with the Red Sox and the Cubs and building them into champions. But, but is that enough though? But because there's you know, there's no direct line to be commissioner right now, and that's something I think a lot of people believe that he one day wants to do. He did enjoy sort of again being that advisor, what things to you know, ways to make the game to speed up the game, to make it more fun, to do all that. He has been involved in a lot of those conversations. I think he's enjoyed it. Um, but could he be wooed back to run a franchise? I mean, like you said, what's better than money? Mo money. money. Mo exactly. money. Mo money. Mo money. We need that as a drop, too. All I right. need that Mo money from Damon Wayne. Mo, Mo money from the movie, yes. Uh, but meanwhile, the Giants, week two, NFL. All right, that starts tomorrow night. Oh, I'm nervous. And there's a couple of things Giants-related that we should get to right here. The first thing is involving availability. So Jordan Renan and several others reporting this, and I guess the team put this out, not available for tomorrow. Mm. Evan Ingram, mm. out. The tight end, again. So you're without him again. All right? Important piece, not available. Shane Lemieux, the offensive line takes a hit. Interior lineman. Okay, he's got a knee issue. Payne and Allen are just licking their chops. Rock, paper, scissors. Who's my fish? Oh, no. The Giants' offensive line turns into an aquarium. <laughs> Who's my Cam Brown, linebacker, he's out as well. Uh, hamstring issue. But this is the other name that, like, 
interesting that it's even here on this list. Saquon Barkley. I mean, how many carries did he even have? Questionable. How many? How many now ca- the belief. Jordan Renan tweeting that, that his understanding is the intention is, of course, for him to play. But it is for you know this again short break. Remember they played Sunday. Yeah, but is it but, Sunday afternoon, late afternoon, the four o'clock game, and now they're playing four days later, and he's coming back from ACL. He didn't get a ton of work. He but obviously that's what I'm didn't saying, show though. out at all. So were you saving him for potentially knowing that you're on a short week because you have to you have to. I just consider. wonder how much he's actually going to play because maybe they are bringing him back slowly. You talked about how Christian McCaffrey just looked out out of this world against the Jets, but he also didn't have. He's not coming off ACL. He was coming off a quad yeah. surgery. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm just saying, like, listen, I don't want to push the panic button, but you, do you really want to get to where your back's against the wall? Because if you lose on a short week, listen, you're going to have 10 days of criticism in this market for, for, for starting off once again 0-2. And I guarantee you they'll start pointing the finger if the offense doesn't look well because it's no Lemieux, they don't look well because no Evan Ingram, if they don't look good because it's a limited Saquon Barkley, they're going to point the finger not at Dave Gettleman, they're not going to point the finger at Joe Judge, they're going to try and throw, they're going to try and throw Jason Garrett underneath the bus. I guarantee you. Listen, everybody's looking for you a really goal. I think that's coming. Yes, right? because guess what? Jason Garrett is not somebody that Joe Judge brought, you know, brought here to be a part of his staff. He was he was he inherited him because they wanted to make sure that they had a former head coach, somebody that can help him through all the things that he doesn't know about being a head coach. And listen, at this point, we saw Joe Judge fire everybody and bringing in a bunch of his guys, more assistants than anybody in the mm-hmm. league. And I tell you what, he's not going to blame himself, right? We know that he's safe. Dave Gettleman is not going to fire himself. So they got to have a sacrificial lamb. And that lamb is starting to look a lot like Jason Garrett. Dave, Dave Rothenberg, who we love, said something about this game that got everybody's attention. Mm. And, he's, and it's, it's not necessarily, you know, I mean, we all love a good rant, right? But this didn't feel like a rant. It felt more like a resignation. Take mm. a listen to Dave, of course, on the great DPH on Rothenberg morning show on 98.7 ESPN. Listen to Dave and what he says about how important tomorrow night's game. Mind you, it's week two. But it is a divisional matchup. Listen to Dave and what he sees and how important this game is. This is an elimination game. The loser (laughs) of this game is done. If the Giants can't beat Taylor Heineke and Washington in Washington on Thursday night, so then they come home to Atlanta, and then it's at New Orleans, at Dallas, home to the Rams. Find me the win in those three. If they lose this game, their season is done. Done. And the same with Washington, (laughs) who goes to Buffalo week three. Yeah, good point. How do you feel about that? Good point. Listen, when when I saw that, okay, they had the Falcons and they could be one and two, listen, that's not a gimme. You just never know when you have two bad teams. You know what I'm saying? But knowing after that, the the Eagles throttled. The Falcons. Yeah, and you, you think they're going to come back and have a lot more pride. They're going to figure it out. Say so. They're Justin, too. They got the talent, right? They have the point. Pick. is, though, is that yeah. this is a division where only one team got a win in week one, right? Now, it'd be right. the Eagles. Everybody right. else lost. Right. But Dave is saying, you're staring at 0-2. Now, who do the Cowboys play? Well, the Cowboys got the Chargers. Yeah, they can lose, too. That's not a gimme. But the thing is, like, it's not about that. It's like, listen, the finger pointing, if they lose to Washington and they go, they, they go and they, let's say they beat Atlanta, right? Mm-hmm. They're 1-2. and two. Do we expect them to beat the next three teams? Probably not, right? Yeah. So, now, so now they're 5-1. Like, that's what they've had to deal with 
I mean, one in five. That's what they've had to deal with the last five years of getting off to those starts and digging those holes that they got to try and dig themselves out of. And it really doesn't get any any easier. They have Tampa this year and they have the Chargers this year. They got the Cowboys again. So, I mean, you 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 have to say, listen. Well, just let everybody know, again, after the Falcons game, so you're talking about if you lose this game, you're 0-2. Yeah. That's, again, short week for both teams. Then you have the Falcons the following on a long week, um, and the Falcons are not very good. Right. But then after that, it's Saints, Cowboys, Rams before you play Sam Darnold and the Panthers. Yeah. That Panther defense, by the way, is really good. But guess, guess what? Guess what they face? They face the AFC West and they're off schedule. Yeah. So that means they got they, they already lost to Denver. They, they already defeated yeah, AFC West. They, they right. already lost to Denver, right? They got the Chargers. They got Kansas City. So it's like if you go down over, like yeah. it can be a wrap already, right? Spent all that money in the offseason. Galladay, bring in uh, Rudolph. You know, you you bring in Lemieux, you got Lemieux. Like, you spend all this money, you lock guys up, and the result is I still get a sub-500 team. That's Somebody funny, you, you go. point out how, how the issues will begin with all the eyes first instead of on Joe Judge will be on Jason Garrett. Right. Whether or not he's the right guy for that offense with all those weapons. And then, of course, Daniel Jones, who, again, all eyes will be on him as well. This is what I found interesting. You were always – you have been consistently all in on Daniel Jones. You, even I though you call him Junior Whopper hands, you, you say that lovingly. Like, you really like him. You like his potential. You yeah. think he could be good. And you said the Giants should win the division. You yeah. said that before the I season started. They're start. the most complete. They Personnel-wise, they have the most complete team. All right. So with that in mind, listen to Dan Olowski, who was on the K-Show yesterday. And the K-Show is coming up in about a half hour. But Dan said this about Daniel Jones, which really caught my attention because for Dan Olowski to be critical of any quarterbacks, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, seriously, he normally will always find the positive. Yeah. But listen to his take on Daniel Jones and what he thinks of his potential. I've been pretty outspoken since the moment they took Daniel Jones that I just did not expect at the sixth pick that the Giants were getting a player that was going to be somebody who's an eraser. You know, when I'm taking a quarterback that early, he's got to erase some of the other flaws in my football team. And you've got to have some traits that can do that. And Daniel Jones doesn't have any of those traits. Could Daniel Jones be a good starting quarterback when he's going to get really good protection, really good scheme, and have some solid skill position players around him? Yeah, he's going to be a good, solid starting quarterback, a very Kirk Cousins type of guy. But when you take him at six, whether it's not his fault, but fair or not, the expectation is you're going to elevate and you're going to be the guy who can go get his own shots. And Daniel Jones just isn't capable of that. Nobody can get their own shot without protection, right? We saw that from the great Patrick Mahomes when he was under duress the entire Super Bowl. Yep. I mean, when did we start talking about Dak Prescott in an elite circle, right? It's when they went out and they got Amari Cooper, gave him a first-round draft pick, went out and found Lionel Collins in the, in the um, supplementary draft because he had the issues where, the, you know, he had the issues on draft day and he had to remove his name from it, right? They had to surround Dak Prescott, and now we talk about Dak Prescott. When did we start talking about um, Josh Allen in that regard? It's when they went out and got digs. They have done a disservice to Daniel Jones in protecting him and giving him the weapons around you can go out and get all the shiny pieces but you got no chassis Hmm. you got no foundation everybody you bring in here from Zeitler to Lemieux to Hernandez to Nate Soder no they didn't did the offensive I mean you could say that they didn't but but Saquon Barkley not being effective yes 
Right? Because at the end of the day, they have to do a job. That right, the big hog mollies we talk about, he's brought in, he came here saying he believes in hog mollies. Yeah. He ain't got no hog, he ain't got no molly. Right now he got impossible burger meat, right? You he don't the even Giants, you he don't molly. have nothing, right? He got turkey bacon, man. He got imposters, right? He got he got players that we expect to be elite that are imposters. They're not real bacon, they're not authentic, right? They're heavily flawed. And like how can Daniel Jones overcome that? Right? He got no running game. And he got no pass protection. They were better. But listen, when they when you have to keep people in, like, could you imagine listen, Daniel Jones is gonna mess around like just like we saw Sam Darnold. Like, hmm, he he's not as bad as we thought. Or when you see well, Ryan. Actually, Dan, Dan believes Sam Darnold is way better. So, way better. Has way higher upside no, no, no. than Daniel listen, Jones. Listen, listen, I had, listen. He said there's things that Sam can do that Daniel Jones can never do. Like what? Like Sam, listen, like Daniel Jones has a stronger arm. Dan, Daniel Jones has a stronger arm. As accurate though? Yes, he's accurate in his deep balls. Like you think about all the passes to Slate, those are on point. Like and he, he's way more, he's faster than Sam. He's bigger than Sam. But he's definitely faster than him, no doubt. And, and I think Sam struggles in the red zone, and we saw it against the Jets. But I, I do want to ask you this, though, from off of what Dave said. How, I mean, you as a player, would you be looking at this game as, you know, like, we got to get this? We, we got to. You know, nobody wants to. Listen, everybody knows the statistics if you go 0 and 2. It like it drops you like the thirty three percent chance of making it to the playoffs. Like it's only been a very few teams in the league that ever went to the playoffs after going on three. Like it is time to push the panic button. Sense of urgency. This is the second year in the rebuild, right? This is the third year in a rebuild, but this is the second year with a new coach, right? right? Saying that hey, we believe that Joe Judge can coach. I believe they can coach, but I feel like the one person that they're going to get the blame on is Jason Garrett because he's the one person that Joe Judge didn't handpick, and he's slowly pushing everybody out. And I think Jason Garrett, if it, listen, don't get too comfortable. Like, still keep written. I wouldn't buy nothing. I'll still keep written around here because I'm thinking you fall and you're getting set up with a banana and tailpipe. I mean, it's a, it's, I, I do think it's an important game. It's a very interesting game. There's no doubt about it. The way to start out week two. <sighs> Man. With the, it, both teams. Because, again, I mean, Washington loses. But that's a tough first game for Washington. But that defense you thought a lot of, they lose their starting quarterback. I still think, though, that, 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 that Ron Rivera really does like Tyler Heineke. I, I do think uh, Taylor Heineke. I, I think he does like him. They they Washington is going to be an interesting team. Philadelphia. I don't know what to believe after what I saw in Week One. Right, the Cowboys should be the class of that division. And then there's the Giants, who we really don't know. Like I think that's the problem. We don't know what they are. The Giants. Right. Do we? we? We don't, don't know. I know. And I we got to find indiv- out, and we got to find out tomorrow night. I, did, I believe in a lot of individual pieces. I just don't know how they work together collectively. Right, I just don't know. Like when you don't have an offensive line, what can? How can you evaluate anybody? Yeah, how can you evaluate anybody? Like, your how can Daniel Jones show you how good he is when he can't get comfortable in the pocket, where he can't believe he can't go through his progressions? He has a strong arm. He's smart. He's cerebral. Right? He's fast. He's athletic. Last year they were doing real RPOs with him. He was running for 20, 25 yards. You can't sleep on him. He's just as good as Josh Allen. So me. you believe more in the Giants than you do in Washington in this game? It's at Washington, by the way. I, I just, Where sewage was, you know, spilling all over fence. I, listen, I don't know because defense is a great eraser. When you have a guy, a team, and a front four that can get after it like that, you like it, it throws every it, it throws line. everything off yeah. schedule. It throws everything off schedule because listen, guess what? I can put five people or seven people in coverage mm-hmm. because I believe in the four behind. So your windows are closed, right? And if Saquon can't make them pay, right? We heard Aaron Rodgers, right? They paying cover two. They got two deep, not getting beat over the top. We got to run the ball. Okay, 
With who? Mm-hmm. Because at some point, somebody on that offensive line is going to have to be the one-on-one. Right? You can't double, double, double everybody. Right? So at some point, so who's your guy? That's, who's your bell cow? Hey, we running behind this guy. Nate Solder? Come on, man. It's more resistance from a, from a wet paper bag. I'm telling you, this game, you go 0-2 coming out of this game, I think I'd believe more in Washington at 0-2 than I would the Giants at 0-2 because the, the question marks – the concerns, the pressure, the, pressure, the panic, market. all of that. Yes, you face the Falcons in week three. But then after that, you've got three tough games after that. Mm. And we know the Giants have gotten off to poor starts over the last couple of seasons. Who in that organization can afford another one? No one. This is 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Bart, let me ask you a question. Yes. So there's some movies that are remade. That you're like, all right, that was cool. Like A Star is Born was remade. Lady Gaga, Bradley Cooper. It was done well, right? It's good. Some movies you can do that. And some movies are like... Magnificent Seven. Some movies are Ocean's Eleven. Like, and then some are, is, we don't need this. Yeah, stop it. Variety Reporting. A remake of the iconic Whitney Houston film, The Bodyguard. And uh, No, stop Is it. in the works. No, stop it. At Warner Brothers. Society's different now. What are we doing? Society's different now. Why would that need to be remade? And who would say, oh yeah, I'm going to remake a movie with Whitney Houston. I I mean, the album alone, like iconically made this movie and I'm stepping in now and I'm just going to, I'm going to read. Are you crazy? And then how are you going to switch it up? So it's slightly different, right? Because if you think about Magnificent Seven, Denzel replaced, I believe, I forgot his name. Is it Calvin Klein? Like he replaced whoever, whoever he replaced as a cowboy. The black cowboy was a white cowboy. So are you going to replace Whitney Houston with who? It's just like I said. Some Kevin Costner with who? Uh, Kevin Hart? No, I'm just saying. Some things don't need to be redone. Yeah. They're going to, clearly. And I have this to say to people that are house upset party. about it. Yeah, House Any, Party shouldn't be remade either. LeBron. Any, well, <laughs> Space, Space Jams 2 sucks. But anybody that's like, gets mad about this stuff is like, we don't need it. You get all outraged. Just understand something. No one's going to make you yeah. watch. watch it. Yeah. So it's okay. Like... I can make the decision, okay, you can remake The Bodyguard. I have zero interest in seeing yeah. it. Moving on. How do you feel about Star Wars and all the, the remakes? But they didn't back. remake Star Wars. They just, they just continued the story, which I, I find that to be great. I, I thought it was great. Like, like That's what you do. You can do that, build off of it. That's fine. But you don't have to take something that wasn't you that know, long it's, ago. It's not any real content left, right? It's no original ideas. Right, that, that is a bigger issue. That's why so many people remake it. I mean, time for the twerkulators is time for the percolators. Yeah, they just these and kids again, just as I said, all we all we tend to do now is we just bathe in nostalgia. We just go back in time because everything now. You understand too? Like, there's a whole generation that really isn't interested in sitting around for 90 minutes or yeah. more to watch a short, movie. Short everything span. everything is now just short, quick hits and. You know, just entertain me for a few minutes and then let's move on to something else. Yeah, if you want to punish today's um, youth, make them watch Ma- Malcolm X and Shawshank Redemption. No, like let me two go. Two and a half hours. What was, <laughs> the, what was the JFK movie, right? That one was like four hours long, whatever that was. <laughs> Yo, this is supposed to be a four-part. about Kevin Costner, just like, I've had enough. This is supposed to be a four-part documentary. This is cruel and unusual punishment. Why did I go back to school? I can do my homework. I do my homework. Hey, um... So there was uh, some NBA stuff here. Real I'm quick. a man. I'm 40. First and foremost, 
for those uh, diehard Frank Nielakina fans. Oh, yeah. Whoop, whoop. He going uh, back to Greece? No. No, there was some reports he might end up signing in Europe, but because the Knicks let him go, which is amazing. A first-round pick doesn't damn. get – another first-round pick doesn't get an extension. Damn, damn Phil Johnson. Uh, the Dallas Mavericks, according to Mark Stein – He are, speaks French because he's from France. Are, are considering uh, bringing him in uh, for training camp. I don't, know if it, I don't know if it's a roster spot or is it a – uh, you know, a, a training camp yeah, tryout yeah. or something. I don't know the details. Polybu Francais. But man. I mean, think about all the former Knicks on this team now. Not only we with Christoph Porzingis, because the Knicks South. You've got Tim Hardaway, yeah, Jr. Tim Hardaway Jr.'s there. I mean, uh, Reggie Bullock signed there. Man, if you can't, if you, you know, if you can't bring Luca to New York, just bring New York to Luca. <laughs> um, but I want to. Uh, Kyrie Irving tweeted something today that's really got a lot of people. I thought he's on vacation. It doesn't matter. He's on Twitter. And it's this is Kyrie, and he does things that gets people you know, agitated, upset, or reaction. And as I always say, if you don't like it, you don't have to follow him. But because it's trending um, on Twitter and in sports, it's something I think we should mention. He just tweets this very simple this morning: "My mask is off now. Take yours off. No fear." Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good luck with that. Now is he talking about the because he. Broke his nose and he had to wear. Did he, was it his Dude, nose that's the thing. That he broke? But or that's something? what he does. He, he, he leaves it. He leaves it for. Uh, he leaves it up for interpretation. Or like is he talking about something else? Call that a cliffhanger. Like uh, that's it. I'm. I'm getting back at that. I'm gonna play this season. I don't need to wear the mask. I th- well, you you know what's going on in the NBA, or, right? They're not going to mandate the the vaccine that you have to have a vaccine. But it's weird because if you play for Golden State or certain cities, if you're the well, what about him? Team, you can't wear it. Yeah, you can't get into the stadium. So that's what's going to be interesting. Off? If so he's going to take a year off, well, if he's not vaccinated, vaccinated, he can't he, play in the home stadium. Right? Is he able to play? Like I got to check those those rules again. That we we uh, I think it was Brian Windhorst yeah. was reporting that stuff. Right? That yeah, you're right. That there are rules in place, right, especially in New York and California, players playing in, but yet you can come in as a road team and play. Right, but you, if you're a home team, because you can't play. Yeah. So what's that? What's going to happen there? So maybe that's what he told. Maybe this is the beginning of a standoff. See, you ain't think we 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 just went deep. We only got thirty seconds to go. Thanks a lot, Alan. But it's throw a grenade. I don't think we have thirty seconds to go. Anthony, how much time do we have left? Minute fifteen. Oh, so, oh. so, so you've got you've got plenty of time there. So while you think of what to say to be next, continued. I'm going to tell you that this portion of Barton Hunt on 98.7 ESPN is brought to you by Truly Hard Seltzer. Try Truly Hard Seltzer. A seltzer. Seltzer. 100 calories, 1 gram sugar, 5% alcohol, and 27 different flavors. Truly Hard Seltzer Beverage Company. Please drink responsibly. Stitch fix. So, <laughs> <laughs> so again, the Michael K. Show coming up here in, in just a minute. And, you know, the Yankees still... Still pushing, still yeah. very much involved. Now it's the, what is it? The Red Sox, the Yankees, and the Blue Jays all. You know what? I don't know. Locked up yeah. right there for the wild card. So, so we they're there. But I'm telling you, on the Mets side of thing, the next biggest move by the Mets will have nothing to do with the standings. Will have nothing to do with wins. It will have to do with what they do with their front office. Change the culture. Yep. Bring in a winner. Bring in Theo Epstein. The reports are already out yeah. there. Make it happen, Steve Cohen. That's how you change yeah. the fortune of your franchise. Attitude reflect leadership. Be a great leader, Steve. And maybe, maybe, maybe just the organization would be better, too. This is 98.7 ESPN.